Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Game over, series over, and the Red Sox are world champs again. And so are these fans. It hasn't happened at Fenway Park for 95 years. The Red Sox are world champions. Boston organization has been well run for a long time now. From the top on down, here comes a 1-2 pitch. Red Sox win the World Series! 5-1 to the final tonight! And the best team in baseball wins it all in 2018. The Red Sox have won the World Championship. The Boston Red Sox beat the Los Angeles Dodgers 5-1. to They win the World Series four games to one. And the Red Sox become the first team in the 21st century with four world championships. Can you believe it? Welcome to another episode of the Pesky Podcast. I am the Rit. With me, like always, is my man, DC. What's been going on, man? How you doing? Good, man. Excited for the uh, day off tomorrow. Spend uh, the holiday with the fam, man. That's about it. Hey, how sweep it is to be a Red Sox fan this past weekend. See what you did there. I mean, you know, kind of go back and forth. Hate the Red Sox one week, love them the next. Um, baseball's a funny game, man. I, I forget who it was. It might have been Joey Capone. I, I could be wrong about that, but he, but he tweeted right before the Toronto series. It's like, we're going to go out and sweep this this Toronto Blue Jays team, and it's going to be wild, and it's going to make me not understand baseball even more. And I couldn't agree more, man. I'm pretty sure it was Joey Capone. Yeah, I, I always loved one of my favorite movies of all time, Fever Pitch. And I love how his uncle went and told him, the Red Sox will break your heart, kid. And every night they play, you don't know. Is it going to be a great moment or are they just going to break your heart? But speaking of breaking hearts, we're going to go, go right into our guest. Yes, we have a great guest from the. He's a Wu Sox beat writer for Beyond the Monster, and he also co-hosts the Round and Third podcast. DC, you know him. We're bringing in Mr. Andrew Parker. It's nice to have. Nice to be on, guys. Nice to be on. Appreciate you hey, coming on, buddy. Love, love that you sit there and uh, listen to the podcast. I love that you uh, reached out to us, like. That's that was amazing when DC told me that. Yeah, so a funny story. I I think me and DC have been following each other for pretty. I, I think for a pretty long time. A really long time. Because like you know when you go through sometimes you can go through your following and you can go to the very bottom and it's like the very first people you've ever followed on Twitter are at the bottom. I, DC is like pretty close to the bottom. I don't know how or why, but I feel like we've just been following each other for a while. So it's been kind of cool. I been kind of seeing you guys like uh get some cool uh guests on and stuff so it's been cool yeah uh before we talk woo socks let's talk a little bit about this uh this past series series and a half uh how do we andrew let's start with you how do we go from two of probably the greatest pitching performances this season for the red Sox 
with no run support, like Bayo going out there in the eighth, you know, doing amazing. Two, we're going to spot start some people, uh, bullpen matchups left and right, and we're bringing in the runs left and right. Like, how does that happen in this wild, crazy world of Red Sox baseball? I think DC uh, in the opener there just kind of hit the nail on the head. Oh, it's uh, you, you, you think you just hate this team getting swept by the Marlins and um, just how down they were and how down, I guess the whole Twitter verse was on this team. And then as soon as this happens and you know, you go in and sweep Toronto, it's like, Holy cow guys. Like we're back. But I mean, it's, it's a 500 team. Like, I feel like you're just going to have that every week. You're going to, take two out of three against a team you didn't think so. But then I think the A's are coming up on the schedule. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they took two out of three. So I don't know what to think about the team. Oh man. It's, it is crazy. We're 500. And what, what are we like three games out of uh, a, a wild card spot potentially? I think like, two, two or three. And it's, it's crazy how like everybody's all down on the Red Sox being a 500 team. I know DC and I uh, talked uh, early on our podcast, episode one, two, three, where we're like, dude, we're, we're expecting a wild card. I know nobody over here thought, oh, we're winning the division. You know, we're going like all the all all we ever expected was wild card. That's what we're getting. So all this naysay talk about being a 500 team and how how horrible we are. It's kind of like what DC and I expected, right, DC? Yeah, I think I had them a little bit over 500, like a couple games, but uh, they're basically right where I thought they would be. There's a lot of question marks coming in this season. Um, obviously, injuries play a big part. The pitching staff has been ran through as far as injuries. Um, but I mean, I, I'm pleasantly surprised with where we're at, you know, with what we have. Um, we lost the ball. You know, we got him back. He's kind of scuffling since he's come back, but we got people on the horizon. We got Story possibly making his return in August. Um, I know Cora said there's no timetable, but taking live batting practice here shortly, I'm pretty sure I read. Um, but yeah, man, it's wild. I I, I don't really understand it. Uh, but I mean, I'm just here for the for the season, man. I, I just enjoy watching baseball, and anything can happen, dude. We still got half a season left. Yeah. Uh, what's really crazy, uh, man, Whitlock. Whitlock kind of you know went down. You know, he said it kind of felt the same way as as his first IL then. So, man, here we are again. Another starting pitcher. We have Sale down. We have Whitlock down. Uh, Andrew, this is where this is where you're going to come in and shine. Can you give us hope covering the Woo Sox get, uh, of some starting pitchers that can come up and help us out? Um, I don't know how much hope it's going to bring you, but – um, as we've seen this year already, uh, we they had to bring up a guy from Worcester to make a spot start, Matt Dermody, no longer on the team. Um, but now it's just like, okay, like now look at the options that you do need it. You've seen Brandon Walter already, uh, which he mm-hmm. just came out of the bullpen two days ago. So that was interesting. They're, I don't know if they're trying to – I've asked Chad Tracy about this so many times post game, like, you know, Chris Murphy got moved to the bullpen. He was one of the best starting pitching options in the organization. Um, move him to the bullpen, so that takes him out. Uh, Brandon Walter, they're now trying to use him out of the bullpen, see what they have. So it's like your best option right now it is not Shane Drohan either because he's averaging about four or five walks a game right now. Um, your best option is Kyle Bearclaw, and nobody really knows who that is. But um, 
he's making the start tomorrow. He's made two starts right now. He's only given up like two earned runs. Um, he's a vet. He's been in the league forever. Um, there isn't there isn't much right now. Oh man, I, I love how you brought up uh, my man Shane Drohan because every time he starts to pitch, I always put out there, you don't mess with the Drohan. I I love it. I got to get that on a shirt. Man, uh, it's it's exciting. But uh, we also just signed a uh, a pitcher for a minor league deal. Uh, DC, you want to sit there and uh, talk about him, and then we we'll throw it back to Andrew. You talking about Lamet? Yeah. Yeah. So I, he's been injured what the past couple of years now. I know he has a pretty decent pitching prospect with the Padres, if I'm not you know not wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he got hurt a bunch. Uh, yeah, man, I'm excited. I know I read an article that Pedro Martinez is actually was pushing for them to, you know, reach out to him and sign him. And he was pretty giddy about them actually getting that done. I don't know too much about him. Um, I haven't really researched him too much since I think he was on my fantasy team in my dynasty league like four years ago. Um, it obviously didn't work out. So I kind of just forgot about him. But I mean, if, if Pedro Martinez is, is pretty excited and thinks he can work with them, I'm going to take that endorsement any day. Yeah, uh, he he kind of sit there and work with uh, Brian Bayo and look what happened there. So I'm not, I'm not saying don't, don't sit there and uh, crucify me and say layman's on Bayo's level, but Andrew, uh, could that be a possible arm that we can sit there and see uh, very soon? I mean, it could, he's still on the development list right now. Um, So he's, he's not technically on the Wu Sox roster yet. Um, I'm sure that they would want him to, they would want to build him up for a couple starts and just make sure that he's like still there. Cause he obviously just got DFA'd by a team that needs pitching. So it's, you know, you're like, okay, like if they're, uh, you know, the Rockies are DFAing a guy, it's like, mm, like there might be a, a good reason for that. Cause they need arms too. So, um, it's going to be interesting. I think he, uh, I think I was seeing that he should be activated at some point this home series for them, which starts tomorrow against Syracuse. So I think we should be able to see um, him in for a start, but I would probably say that they would want him to get a couple starts in before they would even think about calling him up. Uh, and and another quick one on Jake uh, Faria. Yep. Yep. Uh, what can you tell us about him? Uh, I've seen him pitch a couple of times and, you know, he, he's had both great games and, you know, bad games also. Yeah, Faria is one of the chillest guys in the locker room. Um, he's actually, uh, every single time that we walk in there, he'll like call us over to his locker and just start chatting with us about just anything. Um, he's obviously a vet. He's been around for a while. Um, he's pitched to Fenway a ton with the Rays. And so he, and he got called up this year at one point and he didn't get put into the game, but they had him in just for like, you know, just a fresh arm if they needed it. Um, so yeah, he's, he's obviously an option. Um, he's been, he was not too good at the beginning of the year. They were using him out of the bullpen and they moved him into the rotation because Murphy got bumped out. So, um, he's a good vet. He knows what he's doing. He's been there before. He knows how to get outs in the major leagues. Um, he's also best friends with Zach Gallen from the Diamondbacks. So he said Gallen's been giving him a bunch of tips on starting. And then Blake Snell was his best man in his wedding. So he's been giving him a bunch of tips. Like the guys, the guys well-connected. So Oh man, hey, those are some great connections too. It, so you can't go can't go wrong with either one of them. So yeah, uh, just wanted to sit there and throw out some, you know, names we might see after the All Star break because 
if uh, unless Heim uh, sits there and has some, you know, a starting pitcher or two come in, maybe they put. I don't see. I don't. I don't really see them pulling Pavetta back to a starter and try to stretch him out because, you know, Pavetta's been doing pretty decent in the bullpen. Is that for me? But uh, yeah, yeah. Almost it cut out there. Yeah, I was actually going to bring up Pavetta when we talk about the series. Um, was that bull like that? Uh, the one game he he pitched four innings, had six mm-hmm. strikeouts. Was it last night? I think it was the bullpen game when Whitlock, yeah. got, Whitlock got hurt. Yeah, I mean he's been he's been decent, man. Uh, I know last time we talked about him, he hadn't let a run out, you know, and quite a bit of appearances. Um, I was a little worried about him, you know, with that that interview. I think it was Chris Cotillo. Cotillo, um brought up about you know possibly not, you know, making it back into the road or, you know, keeping a spot if he didn't, you know, do well the next start. And he kind of like gave that little wishy-washy answer that I know a lot kind of pissed a lot of people off, but um, it seems like he's embraced the role. Um, it's just good to see a vet kind of own that, you know, it sucks, you know, losing your spot in the rotation, but you know, he, he's coming in, he's pitching pretty decent innings for us. And that was, you know, a big outing last night from four innings, one earned run, six Ks, two walks, I think. Yeah. Uh, Another guy we're going to throw to Andrew, who was in our bullpen, that we could stretch out, Corey Kluber. I have no comment on Corey Kluber. Okay. I, I like that. I, listen, it's I, I don't want to dog the guy. He's at the end of his career. It sucks watching him go out this way because just think about those days when he was at Cleveland, just absolutely dominating the Red Sox. And it's just, it's so hard to see him go out this way, but it's just, if, if it's not working, it's just not working. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I feel like, I feel like we've seen this already is a guy, one of my favorite guys on the roster in the bullpen, Joe Jakes finally gets a, a, a chance because the guys like Richard Blyer, obviously he's hurt, but he wasn't doing too hot before he got hurt. And then Jolie, who also was like, not doing so great. And then he kind of got hurt. I don't know if it was phantom IL, what it was. But um, I feel like there's guys down in Worcester right now that could probably be doing a better job than Kluber right now. But um, it just sucks to see him go out this way. Yeah, it, if, I, th- I think he's just a couple seasons too late. You know, if it was two, three seasons ago, I, I think we could we could get some value out of Kluber. But I think we signed him, you know, as a desperation move pretty much for just somebody to eat innings. And they thought that he could just – be the pitcher, not a pitcher like he was in Cleveland, but not give up five, six runs in an inning either. So, but enough about pitching. Let's go talk about the offense now in that Toronto series. Man, it was amazing. And it was led by my favorite player, Alex Verdugo. So, man, everybody's talking about the – Last night's uh, home run, first pitch, bam, off Romero. But let's talk about the the night before, that defensive play he had. Uh, Andrew, you know, I'm sure you've seen it. That arm gunned down Bichette, and he looked a little stunned. Yeah, I think that's something that people um, are more surprised about this year is I feel like his defensive side of the game was never really talked about. Um and, you know, because you have big shoes to fill in the Boston outfield, especially right in center field with 
uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. being out there for the past however many years, and then Mookie Betts was out there for that many years. It's like you had this arms out there, and so you're just like, great. You know, we lose both of those guys, and it's kind of like, you know, you feel like you lost a step, but then now Verdugo's out here showing us that, hey, really haven't lost anything that um, that we would already had. So I think I looked at it. I think it was uh, Pete Abraham of the Globe. He put out a he put out a story that was like, uh, have you seen? Or maybe it was Rob Bradford. I don't remember who it was, but somebody had put out a story that was like, have you seen a bigger jump defensively from 2022 to 2023 than you have with Alex Verdugo this year? And his baseball savant page backs it right up. Uh, the guy is going nuts defensively, and it's awesome to see. Yeah, uh, and and he single handedly for two nights back to back shut down a whole country. And I, I loved it. You know, uh, I was a huge Alex Verdugo guy. Uh, I predicted he was going to bat lead off. I said, you know, I was all for him being uh, the guy that we, we knew his potential could be uh, DC. what do you think about the, the throw out? And what did you think about the, as you turned on the game last night and you got to see that great, great home run. I mean, I'm not going to lie, you know, when, uh, when the ball got hit to him and he threw it, I, I got a little nervous, you know, just the way the last week has gone. Um, it's a little scared, you know, I felt like that ball was in the air for about 10 seconds, you know, longer than it really was. Um, but obviously very stoked with the, uh, the outcome. And then obviously, yeah, last, you know, yesterday I, you know, I pay attention to the game on my phones and I'll try to, you know, watch it if my, my wife's out here with the kids and I try not to hog the TV too much, but I was like, yo, it's the eighth inning, it's tied game. And I swear to God, it was on for maybe 30 seconds and he jacks it. I went nuts. Um, yeah, I mean, I've said it time and time again. I, I kind of shit on him, you know, the last three years. I'm not going to lie. I think it subconsciously, I just, you know, when it first happened, obviously, I didn't want to lose Mookie Betts. And just, you know, he didn't perform at the best of his abilities after 2020. But he's really, you know, he's he made me eat crow. I have no problem admitting that. Um, yeah, I just, I just hope he, you know, continues it, you know, throughout the season. And then if we do end up extending him, I think uh, – It'd be a good move. But yeah, overall, man, Alex Redugo has, has proved me wrong and I have no problem uh, owning up to that. Yeah, I'm trying to find... I'm I believe sure it on my Verdugo tweets, bro, so you can't find any. No, no, no. I'm, I'm trying <laughs> to find... I thought it was Pete uh, Pete Abram. Uh, I, I thought he's the one that tweeted out today because uh, they were talking about all-star snubs and they were looking at uh, Alex Verdugo's numbers because they're like, oh, Alex Verdugo's, you know, he's nowhere near all these other outfielders for the AL. And I'll, he, I'm pretty sure it was Pete. I can't find the tweet. But it, he just replied all his numbers, you know, are the top 10 and everything, I think, but home runs. But you can't get – we haven't seen personally – now this is – don't kill me again a clutch hitter since I'm going to, I'm going to say Ortiz. Easy, easy, easy. Hey, he's had how many walk-offs? Yeah, be careful of that. I I know, I know. But, but how many walk-offs did did Verdugo have this year so far? That's a recency bias. So I I I see what you're saying. JD Martinez also was the main, I mean, he had so many clutch hit after clutch hit just in 2018 alone. Yeah. Okay. I think okay. it's just a recency bias. I mean, I, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know hit you too hard on that, but uh, 
No, I mean, he's had a bunch of walk-offs. I don't know how many. I know he had a bunch, you know, a handful within the first couple of weeks. Um, but I'm not going to go that far. I'm going to let okay. you go out on that ledge on your own, buddy. Hey, I'll go out there and, and, and I'll be there to jump if need be. But uh, I mean, I, I appreciate your dedication, though. I'll, I'll give you that. Do, okay, honest opinion. Do you think that Verdugo deserves to be on the All-Star Game roster? Andrew? Oh, 100%. DC? Yeah, I do. I, I, okay. I think we talked about today. I think there's a good chance, um, you know, Judge probably not going to be playing, obviously. Um, yeah, there's, there's two outfielders uh, that won't be able to play. Judge and who's the other one? It's Alvarez Al- from uh, Houston. Alvarez? Yeah. Yeah. So there's two spots. And, man, could you it, – it's disappointing for one because the Red Sox is – allegedly have one of the biggest fan bases in MLB that we could not vote in. Devers at third, Massa at in the outfield, or Verdugo. We got Kenley Jansen, and his numbers aren't the best as a closer this year. Uh, Andrew, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's just – I. I understand why fan voting is a thing. I totally get it. Um, but it has its flaws. As you can tell, it's been like this. I even remember back when, do you remember when the Royals used to vote their entire starting nine in back when they were actually good? Um, yeah. Even though none of those guys deserved it. You could say the same thing about Toronto right now. They're just uh, absolutely going nuts on what's good for them. But um, I also think that some People like me, like whenever I go in to put an all-star ballot in, I'm not just voting for all the Red Sox players. Like I am going to vote for Verdugo because I think he's deserving, but it's like those guys will vote for their players no matter if they're deserving or not. And then it kind of skews like, you know, it takes a spot away from, you know, Verdugo could have been a reserve guy in that. But Mm -hmm. with Merrifield and um, gosh, I can't I think Dalton Varsho almost made it. A bunch of like random Blue Jays that aren't even having that good of years. Um, so I, it's just skewed, man. Like I, I just, you, you love and hate the fan vote, but it, to me, it's, it's kind of one sided because Toronto has a whole country to vote one team in, you know, and all their players where, you know, the U S is split up, you know, fan base wise. And in my personal opinion, it, it, I would sit there and say either go by stats or maybe let the actual writers vote. For people in because yeah, I, just, I was uh, I was all ready for, for to go get me my my American League because I thought the American League jerseys are a lot better than the National League for the All-Star I was all ready to get me my Alex Verdugo one All-Star jersey I was ready for it I, I still did. might be still might be able to I wish they would but, just go back to the players wearing their team uniforms man I thought that was dope yeah that was so, a cooler look for sure yeah but uh, fi- uh, final thoughts uh, on the overall uh, sweet sweetness of the Toronto series, DC. Yeah, I mean, across the board, we had uh, a couple of guys, you know, perform pretty well. Justin Turner, Devers each had a home run game two. Yoshida had one game one. You know, it was good to see him come back from getting hit in the leg. Um, and then just the performance by Paxton was was huge in my opinion. Um, he's been a revelation. I'm not gonna lie, I. I was worried when we, you know, when, you know, I thought, or I knew he was going to be getting the ball this season, you know, is pretty injury prone, but he's, uh, 
he's showed up, man. He's, he's put the numbers. I think he has like a two seven ERA right now. Um, there's commands there, but other than that, I mean, and I was pretty happy with, uh, the bullpen. I mean, besides wink, he, he scares me right now. He's kind of in a rut, right. Uh, and I just, I wish they would kind of just put him in for one inning until he gets his, his bearings back, you know, like he gets putting for two innings and he's getting up three, four home, you know, earned runs. I think two, uh, appearances ago, he gave up three home runs and in, in two innings not where it's at but overall man very happy glad that the offense showed up now i'm just kind of worried that they're going to take a vacation for the next week um but yeah overall man pitching hitting was right there except you know maybe one or two guys that kind of scuffled but overall very very happy andrew what were your thoughts on the series oh my biggest takeaway is um jaron duran um he had a five hit oh, game yesterday um, four doubles i mean yeah and he's he's what he's already has uh he hasn't even played a full season because he was in Worcester at the beginning of the year and I'm pretty sure he's um he's I thought I saw he was like top 15 in the league in doubles already or top 20 mm-hmm. um he's up there and he's his OPS just went over 800 his batting average just went over 300 after yesterday so it's like he has been the leadoff guy that the Red Sox need I knew they were putting like Kike in, in the leadoff spot last year and I mean, it would work out sometimes, but Duran's got the speed. He can actually make contact. You know, he's hitting a ton of gap shots for doubles, and he's got the speed to do it too. So I think he has impressed me the most. Um, And then I'm also just going to be biased, and I'm a big Joe Jakes guy. I mean, sue me, I guess. But um, he picked up his first career MLB save yesterday. Um, The guys guys come a long way. And uh, it was kind of funny. So earlier in the season, I was talking with him in the clubhouse in Worcester, and I was talking to him and he's just, and I, I don't know how we got on the topic, but he said, he told me, he's like, I have a series circled on my calendar in my locker that I want to be called up by. And I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's weird. And he showed it to me. He's like, it's the Yankees series. Cause he's from New York area. He's, he was a Yankees fan growing up and he got called up this year for the Yankees series. And it was like kind of cool. Like um, that he did that, but I'm, I'm just a big Joe Jace guy. He's one of the best guys I've met this year. So Man, I'm up uh, on him. That's I sit there and loved. Like, could you could you imagine when he because he got called up and he got thrown in, bases loaded, you know, bottom of the ninth. It's like, okay, uh, here's your debut, buddy. No Pouring pressure. down rain. Yep. Oh. So, but no, uh, I I keep forgetting about Duran because I I sit there and I loved. Uh, I think Gabby uh, Hubert. Uh, Hubert sit there and tweeted out uh, who was faster, Duran or uh, David Hamilton. And I'm like, man, that's that's like saying who's faster, the Flash or Superman. Like, both of them. Like, what, what, DC uh, and I, when we were at uh, Scranton for the Rail Riders game, we didn't really get to see Hamilton speed that much because when we were there, he, uh, his first two hits were both home runs. So he got to trot around the bases, you know, all all casual and stuff. But man, just seeing him in his debut, he had, uh, and they said they looked at him. They're like, you, you know, he's gonna steal. And then he stood, and they stole second. And then you know he was in home like the next hit. Like David Hamilton has got some amazing speed. Uh, can you tell us, Andrew? Uh, you know, you covered him for how long now? Uh, a little bit more about him. Yeah, I think uh, 
it really hit me the speed because you you see some fast guys obviously like duran too like duran was in the lineup at the beginning of the year so like you said Mm -hmm. it's like they're both pretty quick but it hit me the the first time i was really like holy cow like this guy is quick is there was a ground ball that didn't leave the infield and hamilton was on first and the ground ball didn't even get through the shortstop and Hamilton was on third base before the shortstop even threw the ball to first. It was like, I, I don't even, I, I want to find the replay because I, I, I didn't really realize it when I saw it. And then after the game, Tracy, like Trad Tracy, the manager was kind of like, uh, he's like, he went first third on an infield single. And it was the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like the ball didn't even get out of the infield and he advanced two bases. Like uh, it, it's, it's uh, definitely something that, is why he made his debut and why he's up there right now. Um, that speed is not taught. I mean, it's there's no other guy other than Corey Rogier is probably the closest in the system, but there's nobody else even close. Yeah, uh, I, I see. I see him do a, a stand-up triple uh, against the Real Riders, and like a stand-up triple is you know a, a sliding triple. That's one thing. But to see him stand, like st- get a standing triple, and then just like you know, just stand there, shake it off a little bit. I'm like, you 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 might have been able just to get it inside the Parker, like if you if you wanted to slide a little bit, because this this dude has some legs. So I'm really excited to sit there and see him up there. Uh, his his defense is is really well taught up there, uh, which is something we definitely need because we can't keep having uh, Kike on the shortstop side at all so but both great takes on the uh, toronto series now let's get to the uh, the bread and butter of this portion andrew tell us tell us how you got into uh covering the woo Sox. yeah yeah that's um i guess that's a good question um so i'm not i don't know if you guys are familiar with chris henrique at all yeah. um but i me and him write together um, for our site. And we were kind of thinking, we were brainstorming. We were at um, Red Sox winter weekend in Springfield, I think what, January of this year. And we were kind of brainstorming. We we're like, okay, like what could we do to like really get in somewhere or just do something a little different? Like, I, I don't know. We were just kind of come up with options and um, a, a very good friend of ours at hand. And then uh, Jake Ignazuski, Jake Iggy, um, they both were, um, they both were credentialed out in Worcester and they kind of put in a good word for us. And uh, I think uh, it kind of started from there. And I mean, it's, it's been great. I mean, it's been good to kind of get the foot in the door and um, just really kind of see behind the scenes on these guys and get to know a lot of them too. So it's a good start. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to say we're parallel, but it's kind of f- funny because DC and I, on a much lower level, we start uh, we started in December. I, I looked over at him at work and I was like, "Hey, we should we, we should do a Red Sox podcast." And he looked back at me. He's like, "Okay, sure." Like, okay, a month goes by, you know. Then, then all of a sudden, like we we came up with the name. We're like, okay. Then all, all of a sudden, another month comes by and it's like, yeah. Then all of a sudden, it's like. We started, we set everything up for episode one. And it's just like, we, we needed to set ourselves apart because there's like a thousand Red Sox podcasts. So I was like, I went and talked to Steve Peralt. I was messaging him back and forth. And he goes, just be different. Give, give the fans something that they can't 
get anywhere else. He goes, everybody does tons of interviews. Everybody covers, you know, the same stuff over and over again. So I was like, DC, I said, DC, I said, why don't we bring writers in from the other team? Kind of like a one-stop shop. You get to hear about the other team's players, prospects, pitching matchups. You get to hear about the game before the series even starts. Steve, I told Steve, Steve, said, that's a great idea. So we kind of like we're doing that. And then we got hooked up with, uh, which, which, you're, which I want to find out your relationship with him, Joe Bradley. You know, we had him on. Next thing you know, he's he's inviting us. He goes, anytime you guys want to come up to Awusta, let us know. We're we're sit there and we're we get you press passes and everything. And then he got us a press. He helped us out down in Scranton a little bit to get to get uh, in there for the first time. And of course, I reach out to Chris. I'm like, dude, you do this all the time. I'm like, I don't want to go in there, you know being all nervous. So he gave us some pointers and, but Andrew, what is your uh, relationship with Joe and, and, and how, uh, how'd that ever start off? Yeah. So Joe was, uh, I guess he was kind of the guy that um, put in a good word for us too. Um, Joe is awesome. Anytime you see him walking around the stadium, it's uh, he's, he's always the guy that's with, so they, they do like a throwback Thursday, like every Thursday where they bring in like a old Red Sox player or like Scott Zolak was just uh, there last Thursday or the last home home game. And then, you know, they have like, uh, you know, Lou Maroney was one of the guys, but Joe's always the guy that's right next to the, the, the guest or whatever it is on Thursdays. And then he's always walking around with like the high profile guys, but it's so funny because Joe is one of the nicest guys. He's always going to stop and say hello, but he pretty much put in a very good word for me and Chris. And, um, he, he's, been super helpful getting us started there and made us feel pretty comfortable. So definitely shout out Joe. He's a great guy. Yeah. Joe, Joe is, he was a great guest. Uh, and he was just, he guided DC and I, okay, I, I'm going to hook you up with, with uh, these two to get press passes. And then his people contacted Adam from the rail riders and Adam's like, Hey, these guys vouch for you. Let's, you know, I've got you. So it was, it was really weird because DC and I were, I, I warned him. I'm like, dude, you're never going to know, you know, what we do, where we're going to end up on this podcast or who we're going to have on. Uh, we had, we had Keith Folk on already. You know, we had Devin Marrero on. We've had a slew of uh, writers on. We have a slew of other talent from the farm system. And I, I never remember the day I told DC we got press passes and DC looks at me after he calms down a little bit. Cause he's, and I'm, yeah. he goes, dude, I'm like, what, you know, like you can't, you can't do nothing wrong. And he goes, we're part of the press. Now we can't get autographs anymore. <laughs> and, and I was like, dude, and then the more I thought about it, it's like, and, and I, Andrew, you can sit there and probably vouch. It's like, we can't get autographs anymore, but we can get friendships, you know, with these guys. And DC and I made some, some really good friends along, along the way now in the farm system. And I can't wait till we get to go back uh, at the end of this month when Scranton plays the uh, Woo Sox again. So we can sit there and uh, catch up on uh, with all the guys we've talked to. 
So, Andrew, what what was it like for your first experience going in, you know, into the locker room? Was it intimidating or? Oh God, dude, I was sweating bullets. It was uh, it was it was tough. So it was uh, media day this year, um, and so they invite us to media day, and so all the you know, there's there's probably like 20, 20 writers and like local media and stuff. And everybody's in the locker room. All the players are sitting at their lockers, like in a square. Like this is my very first experience, like in a professional clubhouse. Um, and so they kind of like herd all of the writers in to the middle of the uh, <laughs> in the middle of the the locker room. And it's kind of like the guys were we were talking, but as soon as we come in, they're all kind of quiet, just looking at us. And so we're all just standing right in the middle of the room, <laughs> and all the every single player is just staring at us. And I'm like looking around, I'd be like holy cow like i don't know what to do i don't know what to say i didn't even know how to like approach somebody like it was it was tough like it was um it was hard i mean i am happy that i i kind of had a little relationship with chase shugart uh from the loose Sox. he's um in the bullpen for them and uh he was the first guy i went up to he was like my first like interview i guess like in person um, like in the clubhouse. So he kind of made me a little more comfortable. And then after that, I'm like, all right, I, I think I can do this, but it was, uh, it was overwhelming for sure. Yeah. Uh, we haven't been in the clubhouse yet, uh, because being a bit going to look at the visiting team is a little bit different than what you experienced up there going into home, uh, the home team. So, but you know, we hit him right after, you know, BP, uh, when they're out there and it, it, it's just exciting just to, just to see them, you know, and talk to them. Uh, well, what close relationships have you made so far? Uh, there are the Wu Sox. Oh, players wise. Yeah. Oh man. Um, I I'm telling you, like, I feel like every time I'm there, like the guys, like now that I've been there for a few months now, you know, I'm starting to, you know, guys know my name. They'll like, you know, give me, you know, they always give a fist bump or whatever it is. They'll talk with you. Like, like Nick Sogard's one of the nicer guys. Like he'll, he'll ask you, like, I mean, he even asked me last homestand. He was just like, can you just tell me like how your commute is here? And like, he was like asking me a bunch of questions. I'm like, I'm, I'm supposed to be asking you the questions, but, um, so they, like, I'm telling you, it's, uh, Crooks, like one of the nicest dudes in the world. He, um, there's a, uh, there's, like they call it, I don't know what they call it. When Jorge Alfaro was there, they kind of had like a Hispanic corner where they, mm -hmm. it was like all the Spanish speaking players were in one corner. And um, Crook was nice enough to actually translate for the media because he speaks English and Spanish fluently. And he's that, that guy is awesome. Oh, he got a smile on the face. You guys know him. Um, yeah. Guy is awesome. Fitzy, obviously he's, he's just as advertised. Um, everybody loves him. And for good reason, he's one of the nicest dudes ever. Um, I'm telling you, there's, there's not very many guys that I've come across that have been bad. So I feel like it's, uh, I don't know. It's Caleb Hamilton was one of the best guys too. And it was kind of cool that he was the catcher too. And now he's up in Boston right now, mm -hmm. but, um, it was cool. Cause he was like such like an outgoing guy and he was the catcher. So he would like tell you about like, Oh yeah. Like Ryan Fernandez throws the hardest I've seen in the Red Sox system so far and all this other stuff. And um you know he'd give us a lot of like good stuff and jake free is one of the best guys i don't know i can keep going on but i like the whole room yeah uh dc what was some of your experiences like uh 
being up there a little bit. It was cool, man. I'm not going to lie. Like the first day, I mean, obviously we didn't walk into a locker room, you know, with all the players kind of just staring at you. But uh, I mean, it was a little nerve wracking. I've never done anything like this. I mean, it's one of the first things I said to Josh was when he asked me, I did say, okay, but I'm like, man, like I have no experience. Like I, I watch baseball a lot. You know, I, I feel like I know a lot. Um, obviously, as I do this podcast, I, I realize I don't know nearly as much as I thought I did, but it's all a growing experience. But, um, but yeah, man, it was, it was really exciting just to even be, you know, near the players. Uh, I was really bummed out that I missed, you know, talking with Crook. Um, but I, I think, I forget why I wasn't able to go there. I think I had plans with the family or something. Uh, like that, but, you, uh, your daughter had her uh, recital. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, it was just a cool experience, just being a lifelong baseball fan, but also being able to like get a press pass to go see, you know, the AAA affiliate of my favorite team. Um, it's something that I never thought would happen. Um, like you said, you never know where we can go with this podcast. I never thought we'd have Keith Folk on. I never thought, you know, we'd, we'd talk to anybody really, you know, where, you know, this soon for that matter. But uh, overall, it was a, a very, very cool experience, humbling, you know definitely humbling you know kind of puts you in an uncomfortable position in some spots but uh i know like the last game we went to we were we were just about to talk to christian arroyo he was making his first one of his first uh rehab starts oh, yeah yeah and uh we were right there on the side wall on, like on the first base side and i was literally just about to ask him how his hamstring was holding up and as i'm about to ask him like 20 kids just run down and you know i'm like i'm not gonna bother him man you know what i mean like and then right after that point the usher kind of you know, put us back in our place, but overall, very fun. Um, something I never thought I'd be able to do and just, you know, really looking forward to see what else, uh, we get to experience, man. Yeah. Uh, I kind of can't wait to end of the July, possibly fingers crossed. Get to see Trevor story, maybe down, uh, doing a rehab assignment. That would be amazing. So I'm bringing, I'm bringing my, uh, my daughters and I'm going to slip them a, a nice little Trevor story rookie card. Hey man, you want something? No, I'm See, just kidding. I'm just kidding. But this is that's but what you guys are talking about, the rehabs is one of the coolest. I think it that might be the coolest perk of covering a triple A team. And mm -hmm. you're never rooting for a guy to get hurt, like ever, ever, ever. Like I don't I don't want to see these guys get hurt, but when when they do get hurt, you're just like, Oh, well, you know, I got to, you know, I got to talk with Adam Duvall when he was there. I got to talk with Whitlock this year. Uh, I've talked to Cutter Crawford, like, you know, some of these guys are coming through and it's like, all right, like, you know, then you start making relationships with some of the guys that are up there. And it's like, uh, so you never want to root for injuries, but it is cool when they are making their rehab starts and uh, you get to kind of make those relationships as well. Yeah, uh, this was, I think, 2018. Like, I don't know what I would do if 2018 was 2023 when Pedroia and Brock Holt were both on rehab assignment at the same time I, I was at that game watching them and i actually got a, a batting glove and a ball signed by uh pedroia and i was just like man if that was today i i wouldn't even talk to him because i wouldn't know what to say like that's that's dustin pedroia you know uh i was telling dc i'm like dude because uh, the, uh joe had ortiz i think opening day at polar park i wouldn't know what to i'm like I would probably be like, dude, do you know your David Ortiz? I got a funny I, I was, story I, about that one, by the way. Oh, well, oh yeah, do tell, do tell. Dude, I, I, we had no idea David Ortiz was there when we were there. And we were getting so caught up in just all of opening day. You know, there's places packed and everybody's there. And, um, you know, 
So me and Chris were walking from the clubhouse and there's these back, like there's these back hallways that go towards the elevator takes you up to like where the press box is. So we're, we're going from the clubhouse to the, uh, to the elevator to go up. And all of a sudden we're like walking and then we see the Sox photographers, which they're all great, but we saw them right there and they were pointing at the back door and they were all like on their knees, like getting ready for a shot. And we're like, who the heck is about to be coming through this door right now? And it's, uh, of course, I will. We see Joe Bradley walking in and then David Ortiz is right behind him with his whole crew. And so me and Chris already pressed the button and we were waiting for the elevator. And so uh, we're just uh, we're just standing there kind of waiting and we see him walk in and we're like, oh, that's cool. He's probably just going to go to the clubhouse, whatever. No, Dave Ortiz stands right behind me. He's towering over me. And I'm, I look at Chris. I'm like, Chris, should we like move? Like, should we like <laughs> let David Ortiz take the elevator that we were about to get in? And Chris is like, hell no. We're getting in the elevator with the guy. <laughs> so so we're like waiting for this elevator. It's like one of those. It's a freight elevator. So it's like slow as hell. And um, so it finally gets there. We're like, we get into like, we're smushed in the very back. I had Ortiz right in front of me and he's got like five guys in his crew. Uh, there's like a couple other people there and we're sitting there. This elevator is taking its, its time. I felt like we were in the elevator, David Ortiz for like 10 minutes. And so I look at Chris and I'm like, should we say something? Like, like what are we doing? What do you ever think that you're going to be in an elevator with David Ortiz like ever again, like in your entire life? Probably not. So Chris is like, I forgot what Chris asked. Like, I think I blacked out at the moment, but Chris like popped some joke and had Dave Ortiz laughing. And I'm just like, holy cow. Like, this is, it was just one of those things. It's like, you, you woke up that morning. You're like, I had no idea I was going to be in an elevator with Dave Ortiz. And I kind of froze because I wanted to say something to him. But you're like, I, I feel like I was starstruck. So he's like standing right in front of you. But um, I don't think I'll ever be that close to the guy ever again. Oh, I would have crapped my pants, bro. That was close. <laughs> Yeah, dude. Like, I like right there, you sit there and think, like, he can't go nowhere. So ask, ask him whatever you want. Like, he he can't go nowhere until the elevator opens. It's just but. something, man. That was like you you think you would know what you're gonna say when you see a person, and you're like, now I'm in an elevator with this person, and so I would like I'm gonna like introduce myself, and you just like you're like I'm I can't even move my hands. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I would have, I would have been speechless, man. I would have been like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I would, been, I would have been starstruck, dude, through the roof. Yeah, uh, I, I always, I love listening to Steve Peralt, and he always talks about, you know, the white whale, and 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 his is Nomar, like Ortiz is for me personally will be the white whale because I'm like, dude, like to get him on would be like, you made it. Like you're, you're, you're being respected by Red Sox royalty, you know, and it's just, it's just crazy. Uh, DC, hook me up who, to oxygen if that ever happens. Who, who, who would be your white whale DC? I mean, the reason I became a Red Sox fan, I, you know, I've said this before, but, um, was 2000 when, uh, the Red Sox signed Manny Ramirez. I grew up watching ESPN baseball, you know, as a kid, I was born in 90, um, but the Indians were always amazing. You know, they're always on TV. And I fell in love with Manny Ramirez. Um, I don't know what it was about him. He just incredible hitter. He just really stood up to me or stood out to me. And then, uh, you know, I signed with the Red Sox and it was kind of over from 2000 on, man. I became a lifelong fan. So I'd say oh. Manny Ramirez, but I, I, I mean, Manny Ramirez, but obviously David, David Ortiz is right there. But, you know, Manny is the reason why I'm a Red Sox fan. 
Man, could you imagine the, the stories that Manny could tell? Like or or what the stories that Ortiz could tell about Manny? No. Uh, Andrew, we're gonna go a uh, white whale. What is your white whale to be able to interview? Ah oh, man, I'd have to go Theo Epstein. Um, I think he would be such a a good interview to really talk about, like you know, when he got you know when he came into the organization and like what the state of it was and what he ended up pretty much putting it on the path to be. I just think Theo Epstein would be. Uh, we were actually lucky enough to get Heim Bloom on. Um, I, what was it before the season started? And um, yeah, it was a great interview. interview. But Theo Epstein would be hands down my white whale. Of course, like Ortiz, I would love to get Ortiz and all those guys. But I think Theo would would have some cool like, oh, though this trade almost. You hear that sometimes. You're like, oh, we almost traded John Lester for like this person in 2007. It's like, oh, glad you didn't do that. But um, yeah, I didn't think about oh, that. That's man. a really good one. And, and and just to think, like you know, you brought up the possible trades. You know, the what prospects we we came to to love couldn't might not have been here. You know what I mean? And like, only he knows that too. So it's yeah. like he's the guy that's been like, oh, I actually, you know, he did trade Anthony Rizzo for um, uh, blank Adrian Gonzalez. So it's just like, you know, he probably had a twenty other trades that was like, oh, I almost traded Manny Ramirez for this person glad i didn't do that right so uh man dude, could you imagine asking him what was the worst trade offer you've ever got <laughs> and, and probably, you know you can't really come out and say it because you're putting another guy on blast but like it's, there's got to be some outrageous ones like uh dc okay andrew we're, we're gonna talk fantasy baseball dynasty league okay oh, dc please tell andrew and, and the fans at home the trade proposal to you, and I did not like this at all. And I told him no. All right, hear me out. So it was so I'm in a dynasty league. Um, keep ten people. You can keep one free rookie hitter, one free rookie pitcher. So you could have up to twelve keepers, or you could keep less and then do a supplemental draft. Blah blah. blah. You know, it's for another story. But um, one of my best friends, he's actually a huge Red Sox fan. Uh, Nate. He uh he has Ellie David Cruz and Kyle Tucker. And I, I mentioned in our group chat, I'm like, yeah, I need to make some moves. You know, I need, you know, I need to get some uh, steals, some average and some runs. And he's like, all right, I'll give you, he, he sent me Devers. Cause I have Devers, Yuri Perez and Gavin Williams. He's like those three for Ellie and question mark. And I'm like, how about those three for Ellie and Kyle Tucker? And he's like, ah, I can't do that. You know, you have two. Yuri Perez has been tearing it up other than his last start yesterday or the day before. But um, he's like, I'm trading, you know, a proven commodity in Kyle Tucker. Obviously, Ellie is Ellie David Cruz. Um, he's like, I need, I need one more bat. So I, I bit. Uh, I didn't want to do this, but I was like, all right, I'll throw Yoshida in. So I was going to give Yoshida, Devers, which broke my heart because I love Devers. My team name is after him, and then Yuri Perez and Gavin Williams, and he was right there. He was right there, and like the whole time, I'm like, man, I have this sitting in my inbox, and I can cancel it. I don't know if I want to leave that out there. And he's like, I think I'm going to accept it. Or I'm, I know I'm, I'm kind of close, but it's hard. But then I woke up the next morning and he declined it, which I'm kind of happy. But um, I don't think it was too bad. I mean, Gavin Williams is top you know, pitching prospect, Yuri Perez. But I also really need stolen bases. And hell, Elliot Cruz is, what, 21? Kyle Tucker's not too, uh, too old either. But at the end of the day, I'd be giving up two or four dynasty keepers for two. 
hindsight, I'm glad it didn't work out, but I don't think it's that bad of a trade. Andrew, what's your personal opinion? I actually, I actually don't hate it. I think it, uh, I think it could have been like a win-win for both sides, but at the same time, it's like, I feel like it's a trade you didn't have to make because like you were saying, you're like, I'm kind of happy that yeah. he declined it. But even if you would have, I would have, I feel like you still would have been like, all right, well, you know, I'm going to have Ellie De La Cruz for the next, however long you do the league probably. And then, um, yeah. Kyle Tucker's obviously, uh, he's already a bona fide star. So yeah. yeah, it does suck that you are giving away four for two. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like that's like such a, it's a tough one because you have two, two unproven, you know? Yeah, but like, exactly. Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd be giving it a lot, but, you know, Gavin Williams could wake up next next spring training and forget how to throw the ball. Or he could get, you know, exactly. touched up as soon as he starts, you know, they make those adjustments. Same with Yuri Perez. Obviously, Florida, um, the Marlins, man, they uh, they produce pitchers like goddamn workshop, man. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm happy it didn't work out, but I, I would have been happy if it did. Uh I, I just jumped to the gun and said no. Like, that was personally me. So, but no, I, I thought I thought because the offer was already out. Yeah, uh, I I thought that was a, that was a little fun tidbit uh, talking about you know Theo and GMs and stuff like that. So, but uh, Andrew, you have got a guy that was recently called up to Triple A, Mr. Uh, Rafaela. What are, were your reactions with him, and how impressed are you at the level of AAA already? I'll tell you what. I am so excited that the Woo Sox are going to be home this week so I can actually meet the guy, and I'm gonna, I'm probably going to interview him at some point this week. Um, he is – he comes as advertised. I mean, it's uh, – his defense – I saw that the, the, the first game he was playing out in Buffalo, he was already making, like, shoestring catches and – he was uh, tracking down balls in center field. He was making a play, he was diving stop behind the bag at shortstop. And it's like his defense is unreal. Um, I, that's the best part of his game. I know that that his strikeouts and all that other stuff was starting to rise this year in double A. Um, but I'm excited to see him in person. I've never seen him actually play in person before. Um, I'm happy that he's also like he can speak like five languages, I think, which is like it kind of reminds me a little bit of when Bogarts was there because he could speak like um, a bunch of different languages. So he kind of gives me a Bogarts vibe a little bit, just based off like how he carries himself. And uh, I was talking to my buddy, Jake, that was down in uh, Portland when he was, you covered them, I guess. I don't know. He's been there for a while, but um, he was kind of telling me that Raphael is one of the best guys that was in that lineup. And that was also a lineup that had Nick York and Marcelo Meyer. And he said that Marcel, that Raphael stood out more than Meyer did, which. All right. But, um, I'm excited. I mean, they needed a leadoff guy too, and I'm I'm super excited to, to chat with him. I'm gonna either chat with him tomorrow or Wednesday. So, oh man, you, awesome. you might have to sit there and give us a give us a heads up on on the on the conversation because I can't wait to get uh, get to be able to talk to him at the end of the month. You know, a, along with catching up with a, a lot of our other guys. Uh, man, you could possibly by the end of the season. You might have Meyer and Nick York uh, up in AAA. Uh, how excited are you for you know what the future possibly of the Red Sox infield is coming through AAA uh, this, this season? It's gonna be. 
they they draw good crowds in Worcester. And so far, it's rained a ton. I feel like it's rained everywhere. I feel like even for you guys, it's probably rained a ton. Um, oh. So it's they've been trying to get as many fans as possible. But I feel like once Meyer gets up here, once Nick York's up here, I feel like a lot of these games are going to be sold out, like packed to the brim. I mean, obviously, we're getting into summer anyway, so it's probably going to, but... Um, it's going to be, uh, whenever you can say that you got up the middle, you have York Meyer and Raphael in center. Um, it's worth the price of the cheap tickets anyway. So, um, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, I know they have, they have some guys right now that are currently blocking some spots like Emmanuel Valdez is still at second base in Worcester. So mm-hmm. it's going to be, uh, I know York's not going to get rushed just cause he's one of the youngest guys in double a right now. Uh, it's kind of wild to think that he was not even 21 yet. So um, I think they're going to let him cook a little bit and in, in, in Portland. But Meyer is, uh, I feel like he's going to force their hand before they uh, Nick York does. But it's going to be exciting, man. Uh, I love how uh, how the Woo Sox go and have like, they, they have a lot of utility players where they can plug and play, move them. Uh, Sogart is one. Uh, Fitzy's a huge one. You know, we you can sit there and play them all over the place. Um, who, man, who's uh, the backup first baseman for the Woo Sox behind Dahl? Um, it's uh, well, Palka plays a lot of first base, and then yeah. um, Steven Scott's now playing a lot of first base. Um, so. I'll tell you what, I just wrote about this the other day. Um, on on this topic is. Their lineup this year, they've had everybody but two players that have not played another position. So Ronaldo Hernandez and Emmanuel Valdez. So the only two guys that have not played more than one position in Worcester, which is crazy to think about. Because like wild. you were seeing, like you were seeing Bobby Dahlbeck at shortstop earlier this year. You were uh, seeing right field. <laughs> yeah, you were seeing him out yeah. in the outfield. You were seeing And uh, Narcisco Crook is playing first base tonight, or like minor league career. Um, he's only played first base like 10 times in his entire career, and he's playing first base again tonight. So versatility is awesome in Worcester, and I, I think Chad Tracy preaches that like to all the players. Like, if you guys want to get called up, play multiple positions because then they'll use you up there. Yeah, uh, when, when I talked to Fitzy, that, that, was the, that was what we talked about, you know, about his versatility, him being, you know, an amazing utility player, especially during spring training. So he's always goes off. It seems in spring training and he's, he's an overall good guy. And he's uh, one of Narcisco's right-hand men, uh, you know, always together, always laughing, always having a good time. So uh, Andrew, I want to thank you for stopping by. Uh, The floor is yours, but let everybody know a little bit about, uh, possibly how to get into being a writer, being a beat writer, you know, that maybe give the fans a, a little uh, tidbit advice. Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. Cause uh, I was also in that position at this point last year where I was like, I would love to get in somehow. And I just didn't know how, like I, I come from a writing background. So, you know, I, I've always wanted to get more involved. So, um, I actually took a uh, writing workshop um, from the uh, Chris Cotillo, uh, mm-hmm. Mass Live beat writer. 
he hosts these uh, writing workshops. He does uh, three levels. It's like a program. It's like three levels. Um, and that kind of got like the, the, the juices flowing a little bit. It kind of like gave me a little, little spark that I needed to kind of get going. I met Chris Enrique through those, like me and him were taking a class together. Um, and then he had, you know, the site beyond the monster, which, you know, we've grown that, to I think we're, we're around 1300 subscribers now. And we just kind of really got that started like last at the end of last year. So, um, it's been fun. And I, I think my advice and like how to do it is just like we've talked about earlier is like, you got to kind of like carve your own niche. And, and the way that I saw that was, okay, like a lot of people write about the Red Sox and there's, like you said, there's a ton of podcasts out there about the Red Sox. Like you got to differentiate yourself and you really do. And it's like, how could I get in and do something that other people aren't? And so I was kind of looking at gotta go cover triple A, like gotta bring some Woo Sox news to the timeline. These guys are, gonna get called up eventually so people are gonna be interested and uh, i just shot my shot and now i'm there yeah man sit there and it's it's just amazing how you know you got to believe in yourself first and then you know you got to follow through and that's what you know we did that's what you did that's what chris did and guys hey if you sit there and think that you can do it you can do it so uh, Andrew, tell everybody what, where, where they can find you at, uh, and all that other good stuff. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm on Twitter at, at by Andrew Parker, B Y and then Andrew Parker. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, I need to use Instagram more. I don't use it, but, um, I know a lot of players use it, so I probably need to start, uh, using it more, but Twitter is where I usually am. And that's where I put all my work out. And, um, also like our beyond the monster handle, um, myself and Chris kind of put out everything there as well. So, well, Andrew, uh, thank you for stopping by, uh, DC, any final words for yourself? Yeah. I just want to say, thanks, man. Really appreciate your time. Um, you and Chris are killing it. Keep it up. Really excited to see where you guys go. Um, good. Definitely on an upward trend for sure. But yeah, really appreciate the kind words reaching out to me on my birthday, you know, giving us some time to, you know, chat with us really means a lot, man. Seriously. Thank you. Well, thank you guys for having me on. I mean, like I said, like I said at the beginning, like followed you for a long time, DC. I saw you guys have you guys been killing it with the uh, with the guests lately on the shows. Like that's that's what's going to draw the people, and you guys are doing a hell of a job. So thank you guys. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Hey, thank you, Andrew. So guys, thanks for checking us out on the Pesky Podcast. Until next time, that is DC. This is our new good friend. Well, my new good friend. Him and DC know each other for years. <laughs> Andrew Parker. See you guys next time on the Pesky Podcast.